Hi, everyone. Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the podcast where we watch and review every horror movie on Netflix. Uh, I'm Patrick, and I'm here again today with Elizabeth. Hi. Steve. Hello. And Chris. Howdy. Now, we're on this... (laughs) Howdy to you as well, cowboy. We're on this uh, mission to watch every horror movie on Netflix from A to Z. We still haven't quite made it to A yet, but we're solidly into the numbers. Uh, We've landed on the number three today, and we're going to be discussing Three-Headed Shark Attack. If the title doesn't tell you enough about this movie to begin with, I think the fact that it comes from this weird production company called The Asylum will do. Uh, I know Steve has brought a lot of information to the table about Asylum today, and I'm wondering, Steve, maybe you can fill us in for starters here on a little bit about what The Asylum is and, and just what expectations we may go into this movie with because of that. Well, I would say your expectations should be very, very low. Um, it's the, the asylum is they've been around since the mid nineties, ninety seven, I think. It's uh, an independent production company that primarily traffics in uh, what are called mockbusters. So, if you are um, old enough to have had the privilege of being in a brick and mortar video store back when those still existed, you probably remember that when, say, the first Transformers movie was. Uh, coming out a few months beforehand, there was a film called Transmorphers that had a very similar font, similar cover, and, and that's sort of what the asylum is about. These Great are film, cash grab movies made for low budgets, and uh, well, I've learned that they've never lost a dime on any of these films. So most of their films are mockbusters, but they also have their own franchises. And Three Headed Shark Attack is one of them. It's a sequel to Two Headed Shark Attack. Oh, oh God, I didn't know this. Are yeah. there any copyright issues with that? Do you know? Like they don't get in trouble? For- oh, they've been sued. Um, they actually they they made some Hobbit films, but they <laughs> they said that Hobbit was uh, fair use basically because it was also. There was like some sort of Paleolithic skeleton that was discovered that was nicknamed a Hobbit, lowercase. So wow. I think they won wow. that one. But I remember being in the video store, and these movies would always make me feel sad because I would always. It seems like their target market is like confused old people, and I could always imagine like some kid saying, "Hey, Grandma, go get Transformers for me," and she drives twenty miles through the snow to the video store and comes home with Transmorphers yeah. and like ruins the kid's week. The two that I remember from back in the day were uh, Thor, God of Thunder, which came out shortly after the actual Thor proper movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the other one, and this may not be Asylum, actually, but it's their same strategy. It was something along the lines of the 40-year-old virgin, in big letters, who got knocked up in like medium letters and felt super bad about it. Like, it was their, like, Judd Apatow knockoff. Yeah. I don't know if that's Asylum, but it sure sounds like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It might as well does. be. Yeah. So is that is that their business model? Is, um, as Bernie Sanders would say, is their core business model fraud? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think so. In the reading that I've done, it sounds like they are genuinely interested in making entertaining films. Um, obviously, they're very opportunistic, in, and they don't just make mockbusters, but you know, it's clear what they're doing there. They're trying to cash in on the success of other films. Usually, theirs come out before the studio version gets released. Um, but they also make faith-based films. Um, they have wow. a whole series of movies that mimic uh, more popular apocalyptic films, but with more God. <laughs> That's insane, because wow. when I watched Three-Headed Shark Attack, I thought it was about as far removed from God <laughs> as possible. <laughs> so is Two-Headed Shark Attack a like, playoff on Jaws? I, or I any shark just movie. Just a generic sh- kind of exploitation movie. Yeah, so the shark 
uh, maybe Sharknado, but Sharknado is Asylum, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I did not know Sharknado was Asylum. Yeah. I mean, and I guess we should note that besides all these mockbusters where they're blatantly ripping off other films, they also do just kind of like generic exploitation films in mm-hmm. general. Like yeah, often for the sci-fi films. channel. Um, I think they have a... they Right now they're producing the number one series on sci-fi, in fact. Mm-hmm. Which is I don't know what? what the quality of that... I don't know what it is. But well, three-headed shark attack was for sci-fi. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. It, it starts it. sci-fi it. presents at the beginning. It starts with sci-fi and then the asylum, and that kind of like sets the scene for... I don't know, what did you say a minute ago? They try and make entertaining films, and... Um, I certainly can't say that the opening of Three-Headed Shark Attack is not entertaining. I can't say that the whole movie wasn't entertaining. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a blast. We start well, with agree there's... to disagree, but go on. <laughs> well, we start with a beach party mm-hmm. scene, mm-hmm. Uh, with which has like ladies laying on towels. Okay, and I just have to say what I really did like about this movie is that they clearly didn't have the money to... Um, like. I don't know what you call it in film, but to, like, Photoshop anyone. So, like, yeah, they picked, like, sort of hot people, but also everyone's body was super real, which I did kind of like, because all the ladies, like, they were pretty hot, but they also had some, like, cellulite and, like, bellies, and it was really great. But anyway, there's ladies laying on a towel, and there's, like, a couple in a cabana having sex, and there's, like, some people standing on the shore daring one another to go skinny dipping. It's all basically, the first few minutes of this movie seem like an excuse, and this is one of the many questions I had about this movie, it's an excuse to get as much TNA in this movie as possible. Oh, in the first five in minutes, the, first the, five boob, minutes. the boob per minute ratio is insane. It's insane. It's out of control. It's insane, which, so, but I, but then it's completely gone. Yeah. You don't see another nipple for the rest of the movie. Yeah, yeah it's, it it's like they in. spent the boob budget, and then it was Gone. Well, I'm wondering if this is a, a sci-fi channel movie, and maybe it was created to air on sci-fi channel, but then they like kind of put this like R-rated front end on it for the like oh, the video could be, like, could be yeah, because that prologue basically they do return to that scene, but that prologue doesn't really contain any of our lead characters. Yeah, it does. And you could... Um, yeah, the, it contains not, Hold the on a minute. Guy. We do see boobs outside of that scene. Still well, yeah. very early in the but film. But it's early in the but, movie with the... Yeah. But yeah. that scene doesn't need to be there either. That's yeah, true. Yeah, it could so, be an easy cut. So basically, we start with, you know, just these few scenes where there's just a lot of kind of boobs out, and uh, then it goes away. And there's a part later on where, like, someone's clearly says shit, but it's, like, dubbed with him saying shoot, shoot yeah. or something. So yeah. No, I, what I he does is he, he says the SH, but he kind of, like, mouths the it. I, I laughed so hard. About it, so I had to rewind to make sure that I heard that correctly. <laughs> huh. So I don't know what their business model is here. There's it seems like they're in a couple yeah, markets it, with one movie. It's, yeah. It is weird, because there's so much boobs, and then it's just super clean it's like mm-hmm. a pg movie i think chris yeah. may be onto something i think there's like a soft core porn <laughs> prologue basically that was added for the for video, the video. Release, and i don't understand yeah. what the benefit of putting that on there is unless it's like a pay-per-view sort of thing where people are going to watch the first five minutes in a preview or something yeah. before they have to commit to buying it or maybe they're going to like keep watching the whole thing hoping that there's like more boobs yeah yeah, spoiler alert. You're in for <laughs> disappointment. No yeah. But anyways, this beach party ends in blood, of course, and murder as the three-headed shark immediately makes itself known. There's no there's no fucking around with getting to the three-headed shark. And there's this astonishing shot at the end of this terrible, I mean, it's, it's not very well rendered uh, sequence, but it's looking out through the shark's mouth as it's like eating people. So there's like a camera inside the mouth and teeth are framing the edges of the frame. And I was just like, I've never seen that before. No, what I love is that immediately it becomes clear the two stock, like, 
sort of images that are going to be used throughout the film, Mm -hmm. which are of a shark fin, like going across a sort of generic tropical background, which you see no less than 25 times throughout the film. And (laughs) uh, like the ocean floor, you just see the same shot of the ocean floor, like rippling sand, probably 15 times in the first scene alone. And there are stock shots of the shark as well. At least a dozen times there's the, there's like the, you know, the the shot where you get the full shark, like sweeping by the camera. Um, With the heads battling each other, kind of mm -hmm. like knocking into each other. Just like, um, you know, playing to the camera too. Just vamping. It like comes by and it's like, Rah! as it goes by the camera. Yeah, it's, it's one of the beach party ladies. It struck me too that that shot of the fin looked terrible. I mean, the shots of the actual shark look, I mean, reasonably decent for CGI. Yeah, the, some of them. The some fin looks look like okay. a shot from like a ni- movie fin, made in 1964. Yeah, I mean, that's the simplest thing to do. Like, I mean, Spielberg did that in Jaws. Like, you could have taken a plastic fin and shot that moving through the water and it would have looked better and probably been easier than the CG fin that they terribly animated and used numerous times. Well, let's talk about Jaws real quick because of something I thought was notable about the opening of this movie is there is no suspense with regards to the shark's reveal. No. They, like, wade out into the water, and then the shark just, like, jumps out of the water and, like, starts eating people. There's no, like, dread. There's no, like, you're not waiting. If they had the, if they had the rights to the Jaws theme, there wouldn't be a place to put it in this movie. Because it just never <laughs> builds tension like that. No. No. It's... Now, you get your money's worth immediately and consistently <laughs> throughout this film. So once we get through this prologue, we get to the actual kind of meat of the the film which is that there's this underwater lab there's a bunch of people on this underwater lab there's a marine biologist and a young intern and a group of like greenpeace type people who have been brought in to study the work they're doing at this underwater lab and they're studying uh, what is repeatedly referred to during the film as a garbage patch which yeah. is a highly scientific term no, no, well, no, it's that's a real thing that's a real, that's a real thing oh yeah. patrick you don't know about the great pacific the garbage, garbage patch no okay oh, it's a real thing Wow. Well, we want to you. Um, now, I think the exact size of the garbage patch has been reported a couple different ways, and it may be exaggerated, but I've heard it. I've heard it compared to the size of Texas. Have you heard that before? Yep, I've heard Texas. I've heard Texas. Also, but, the patch in the movie is a real life garbage patch. Yes. Yeah, it's in the so, middle of the Pacific. Wow. So it's where all the currents basically Converge. end up combining bits oh. of plastic from like around the world. And it's like just this big float. It's not like an island. You but can it's see like it from space. A big emulsion of plastic in the water. And it's a. It's, it's very depressing. So three-headed shark attack is far more topical than I ever imagined. Yeah, that was one of the things. That I was like, okay, that's a cool take, I guess, to set it there. But they're studying all these, like, they're studying the effect that the Great Pacific Garbage Patch has on, like, the surrounding environment. So, like, the creatures, the plants, the wa- they're always, like, measuring pollution levels and stuff. And they have, yeah. you know, whatever. The scope of their research is uh, very broad and very ambiguous. and doesn't yeah. matter much. But it's like an underwater research Dude, station. Dude, their research facility was sweet, though. You took, like, an elevator... To the bottom of the sea, and it was like fucking, a half mile down. Yeah, that yeah. was sweet. And then there, there's these labs filled with mutations they've collected, all of which are conveniently like no larger than goldfish, but very creepy looking. And they're like, oh, the garbage has had strange effects on the uh, wildlife in this area. Man, I wanted a movie about that. Yeah, the all of the like mutated specimens. Yeah, that well, I guess I don't know if I can say this now, but like when. Uh, the specimens escape. I was super hoping that there would be a moment when, like, 
that would be the focus of the movie, all the, like, yeah. crazy specimens attacking people. But they just kind of showed the specimen lab with all the, like, cases and tanks empty, but then they never did anything with it. No. There's also a lab, I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but there's one lab, I forget the specific scene they walk through, and it just looks like every jar in that lab is filled with piss. Anybody else notice that? I don't remember that. There's just, like, a million jars in this lab, and they all have, like, the same, like, sickly yellow Could have been formaldehyde. It's probably formaldehyde. But it looked like piss. I've seen formaldehyde. Well, one one you can drink, and one is poisonous, so (laughs) know the difference between formaldehyde. I do. And urine. (laughs) Anyways, talk about not building up any tension. The shark attacks this lab. Almost immediately. Like, we set up the characters as quickly and and perfunctorily as possible, and the shark immediately starts to just wreck this fucking lab. Get down to it. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Although there is a puzzling... Does anyone want to talk about the relationship between, like, the bro, Greg, and the intern that's confusing but somehow lasts the whole movie? Uh, Well, they do a good job in this movie of setting up subplots or teasing subplots and doing nothing Nothing. with them. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. So you have a a small cast of, like, residents who are on the research station, and they're joined by basically, like, a Greenpeace sort of group. They're these young, like, slacker kind of hippie kind of guys. Earth-packed. Yeah, we 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 gotta fight to keep our oceans safe, all that stuff. Anyway, and one of them is, like, seems to be the ex-boyfriend from college of one of the researchers. Right. But when they see each other, it's like they, they are looking at, like, their own ghost. Like, they're both like, you? Here? <laughs> how could, like, yeah. how could this be? It seems like something that's going to arc at some point, and then it never does. It's never even It never up. does. Like, they, it, it's so bizarre. And there's another, there's another subplot that I thought could have been interesting because much later in the movie and we'll we'll get to this but there's a you know a booze cruise or something and there's like a character who goes up and buys a drink at the bar and there's all this like oh right like, yes, sexual yes. tension between the like, bartender yeah, and the, yeah, the she girl tries to pay her and the bartender's like you know your money's no good here and they like wink at each other and i was like dude where's this going i got the, the sense that she like scene. yeah that she like chartered the boat or her dad had chartered the boat but it just no. it happens and it's gone you never even see those characters again. amazing that would have been a great opportunity for more tits like yeah. there's got to be a deleted dude it's, a, it's a pg man sci-fi channel can't show it yeah, I, I thought for so. sure that's where they were going with the whole booze cruise. Me too. There's like you know thirty nubile like nineteen year olds in bikinis. But I thought for like, sure nope. we were going to cut to like an orgy for yeah. three and a half. Because it seemed like that's where it was going with the bartender and the innuendo. But but no, no, just the shark. So <laughs> back on back on the marine lab, one of the characters that really fascinated me, and I say character applying that term as lightly as possible. There's this uh, the the professor who's in charge of the whole lab Love is it. undoubtedly I don't believe this woman has ever been in any other movie that was not actual porn. Does oh, anybody sure. else think? Well, there are some porn actresses doubt. in this film. I don't know about actors, but um, you remember the the first woman who sort of uh, oh, the she skinny was dipping yeah, scene. She was I a mean, pornography actress yeah. for sure. Um, yeah, with I Dr. don't know if Doctor True, but she cast that vibe. Doctor Thomas, she, right? Is that her name? Doctor Thomas, yeah. yeah. Who looks like kind of a brain dead version of Uma Thurman and Batman and Robin? Oh, yeah. I, I got that. Well, her that? attitude is like that. I thought she reminded me of Tina Fey as well, a little bit. with her with like her nerd glasses. glasses. Her nerd glasses, yeah. and I really liked her character. I thought that her acting was above par for the movie, and she was like nerdily excited about stuff, and I was into that. I have thoughts about that as well. <laughs> I I liked the character 
And I liked her, but I think it was mostly just because she like seemed to be enjoying acting. She just seemed to love that she was performing. I don't know that she was very good, but I just loved how charming she was, you know? I like a movie where it seems like people, especially a horror movie, where you can tell people were just having fun making it. And she's one of the only people who seemed like they were having fun on the set. Yeah. Even though she also, like, everybody kept deferring to this character as, you know, like, a respected professor. Everybody, like, loves this person. She's renowned. But, like, she doesn't come across as an authoritative personality. She has, like, a southern accent. And is in like a tight white t-shirt and is like, hey, we're so happy you're here. And it's like, Professor Thomas, thank you. (laughs) It's crazy. But actually that brings up an interesting point because this movie is really interesting because it does set up these characters and you think they're going to be main characters throughout the film. But then without any fanfare, it kills them off. Like they kind of introduce you to this woman, Dr. Thomas, and like couple scenes with her a couple scenes with her alone you're like okay she's gonna be like a main person in the film mm-hmm. she gets killed i mean she's only on screen for like 10 minutes she gets she's an introduction yeah she gets an introduction because you meet her and she's scuba diving with like it's not her it's like stock footage of like scuba divers and then she like comes out of the off the beach like in her wetsuit not even wearing scuba gear and then she you know is changing in the locker room and we get the tna again and then you know but then she's like dead 10 minutes later yeah wait can i also <laughs> ask a question about that did any of you notice okay so she's changing in the locker room and her like she's naked and there's a screen that comes on that's like we'll be there in 15 minutes and then it like she's like she doesn't do anything because she's alone and then it comes out again it's like <gasps> actually 10 minutes right because you're watching like, yeah. her <laughs> and i was like are they gonna walk in i thought there's gonna be like an accidental like walk-in naked scene i thought they were gonna be like actually we're here now but again nothing it, happened there's a and that's what's so confusing so to me confusing. throughout this movie there's so many things like that where it's like they it's like they took a whole bunch of screenplays and put them in a paper shredder <laughs> yeah, and just and picked out lines that, from other movies yeah. that had a purpose in some other movie and now it's just there kind of like to kill time it was bizarre but I mean yeah she's dead right off the bat great for 10 minutes though so when the shark starts to attack the the lab the first thing he starts with is uh, busting into the bathroom there's some dude who we've never seen before who's sitting on the toilet like taking a shit and all of a sudden like water starts to flow in the room then the shark just like busts into the bathroom otherwise the station does not appear to be breached at this moment and then the shark just starts to, like, lay waste to this huge... Research. I mean, that's how Bond did it in GoldenEye. So. <laughs> Coming through the toilet. He just came in, the sne- sneaked in, killed the guy in the toilet, then all hell broke Yeah, loose. but this shark is, like, 20 times the size of Bond. Yeah. It's a huge fucking shark. I'd like to see a movie where Bond fights the shark. Mm, I th- it's pro- think I'm that's guarantee happened. It's I feel like done. that actually has happened. I guarantee. Yeah. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but I guarantee Bond's fucking If neither shark. of us can think of it, it probably hasn't happened, but it should. It's only a matter of time. They're just waiting yeah. for Daniel Craig we're to just, accept their offer. We're just thinking of Jaws when Bond fought Jaws. He's been in peril from sharks, but I don't know if he's actually had to fight one. He hasn't wrestled one. Because there was the one where they tied him up and they dragged him across a coral reef and there were going to be sharks. But, I mean, the reef was the bigger threat than the sharks, actually. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Has Liam Neeson fought a shark? No, but that definitely needs to no, happen. No, he's done with action movies. Didn't you read the uh, interview? Yeah, so he claims. Well, I wish he would transition to horror movies because, you know, we're not going to get there for a while because we're going in alphabetical order. But there's a movie on Netflix in the horror section called Dig Two Graves. Which is the most <laughs> badass name for a Liam Neeson movie? Wait, is there a question mark in the title? No. Oh, the way you the way you enunciated it sounded like "dig two it's graves." Called, it's called. I heard a question mark. Dig there. two graves. Okay, there we go. Now I got it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's. I don't know what it's about, but Liam Neeson should be in that movie based he on should. the title alone. Yeah, that should be the the sequel to I Run All Night. I think that's too close to home for Liam Neeson. Oh, oh. Gosh. <laughs> let's have a moment of silence. <laughs> 
I meant that, though. <laughs> well, anyway, back, back to three back and to, shark back attack. To the shark. Let's get us back on course, Patrick. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he trashes the station. It literally explodes. Uh, our little group of protagonists gets out just in the last moment, and they get out to a boat. No, they uh, are stressed out because they are. They don't. They're trying to get to the Earth Pact boat. But they have to swim it because they can't bring it too close to shore. Yeah, it's like a hundred yards from the shore or something, or maybe less. And they all just take turns going out and getting killed by sharks. Yeah, Doctor Thomas dies, and of course, the one black dude in the movie has to die because he. I said this. I was like, guarantee you, the black guy's gonna die, which I thought was not fair at all. But he dies. He momentarily outswims the shark. Yeah, though. yeah he had an opportunity. That blew my mind. He's a bee swimmer in real life for sure. And then they were like, "No, he's gonna die." Kind of, kind of. Um, I was impressed with many of the actors in this movie. Their physiques were great, more so the women than the men. <laughs> Agree. Um, which is kind of like I don't know what this says about gender in in asylum films, but like the women had like six packs and stuff. They were looking great. Yeah, the, the guys were kind of just like they rolled out of bed this morning and they're kind of like you know they got dad bod, but whatever. Well, nobody's going to go see a movie like this for the guys, right? Well, it's, well, yeah. I mean, Elizabeth. No, I'm not ever going to do that. So okay. yes. Well, so our this this round of people who survive get to the boat and they're trying to call for help. And this part was a little confusing to me. They reach a sort of mysterious fishing boat instead of the Coast Guard. Can anyone? They're on the wrong channel, so okay. they're trying to hail the Coast Guard. The wrong Coast radio Guard, channel. Mayday, 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 Mayday! Is anyone out there? Smash cut to Danny Trejo picking up the receiver, <laughs> and he's like, "You got the wrong channel." Right, but they tell him anyway. They're like, "Doesn't matter. There's a shark." Well, yeah, but yeah, he doesn't tell him what the right channel is. He's just like, hey, random fishing boat. Someone's got to help us because there's a three-headed yeah. shark. And we should note, yes, Danny Trejo of Machete fame is in this film. Well, his best role was in Heat, where he played Trejo. Yes. And that's it was an autobiographical story. We've heard about <laughs> Heat on this podcast before. No, there, it's not the best movie, but it does a lot of things better than any other movie. And use of Danny Trejo is... He is still number one. Tre- and Trejo and Trejo's important Trejo. in this film, too. So they reach yeah. him. And, and then he's not seen for like 45 minutes after that. Yeah. But they get he to He was him. on set for maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. 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 So eventually the boat gets away. The Earthback boat gets away. And they, and they encounter a booze cruise, which we've already heard quite a bit about. Yeah. And we discover, because the shark becomes attracted to the booze cruise instead of the Earthback boat, that the shark is actually feeding off of the pollution and so we get our first shot of the shark like swimming along there are just crushed aluminum cans like trailing off this booze cruise boat because there's no waste baskets on the boat or something i don't know uh, waste baskets patrick dude people recycling are, bins people are also me. assholes like no, you're on a booze yeah. cruise are you in kidding Fiji? me you're throwing your aluminum off the boat for sure well, okay, but here's the other thing that occurred to me is that in that scene we talked about when they go to the bar, the bartender pours the same drink for everyone. It's a fucking liquor drink. It's in a cup, and she pours the same two bottles of shit into everyone's drink. You see her do it like three they or four times. They probably weren't times. allowed to actually have alcohol cans on the boat when they, they, they had a bunch of They had a bunch of 19 year olds. Yeah. Anyways, the shark is just following this constant trail of aluminum cans, and there's a great like sound effect of the shark just like crunching cans. You hear it over and over again, just like. Yeah, so this is basically when we find out that the shark has evolved to feed on garbage. And I like that element. That was fun. It's kind of like Godzilla. 
and radiation, but it just loves garbage and it follows garbage and feeds on garbage. And garbage humans, in fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it has an humans. appetite for trash and that boat is full of it. <laughs> no, I, I gotta get something off my chest here because it's just kind of, I feel like it's an elephant in the room. The concept of a three-headed shark, not much scarier than a one-headed shark. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically just the novelty factor of a mutant shark, I guess. I don't know if it's supposed to be scary. The three or... heads give it no advantage. Like, unless you're three people standing next to each other. Which, which happens does happen. many times. It happens many times. Yeah. But, like, are you asking me if I'm afraid of a three-headed shark when I wade out into the water? No more so than I'm afraid of a one-headed shark. I don't think you're supposed to be afraid of it, though. Oh, or no. at least not it's more so novelty. than a regular shark. Well, that's something else we should mention. They're because just trying to be over the top. It does serve a purpose. I mean, we'll get to it in the end. But, I mean, at least for dramatic purposes, there's a reason the shark has three heads. Right. Yeah. But speaking of how we're not supposed to be scared of it, um, this isn't a horror movie. I don't know why it's on Netflix horror. I'm offended. Sci-fi at best. <laughs> um, it miscategorized. There's nothing horrific about this movie, really. Well, but there's so much stuff in every genre category on Netflix. Like, we're going to encounter a lot of movies that aren't necessarily horror, capital H, per se. I guess, but this movie makes no attempt to, like, unsettle or frighten or... This is a movie where there's blood and screaming and fucking severed limbs... It's a horror movie. I don't know. Speculative fiction, maybe. <laughs> it's really looking to the future. Yeah. I don't know. I think that, obviously, like we're centering on one genre for this, but I think trying to fit a movie or a piece of work into a particular genre, a particular category, is just kind of boring and pointless. I mean, these are these are marketing tools. I don't know that horror really, as a genre, means anything. There are no rules for something to be considered horror, except that right. they can sell it to a certain audience. Yeah. It's an intelligent point. In this way, I, I guess it, it is a Maybe our film. first. <laughs> Maybe our first intelligent insight. But anyways, the shark just starts to lay waste to this fucking booze cruise. And the thing that puzzled me about this whole scene is that we've already... So in this the, the preceding sequence when everybody's trying to get on the boat and the shark is fucking people up as they're trying to get on this earth pack boat, we see it leap into the air, do this huge arc, and come just smash down on top of the boat and just snack on someone. And my question during this whole sequence is, this shark is huge. Why doesn't it just do one of those again instead of we see it, like, swimming back and forth, like, trying to rock the fucking boat, trying to, like, grip onto the fucking paddle wheel that powers the boat, which was also puzzling to me why there's, like, a fucking, like, St. Louis steamboat. (laughs) Mark Twain was on the booze cruise. Well, it does end up jumping onto the booze cruise and snacking on people. The bigger question is why a thing of that size wouldn't completely annihilate a boat. I mean, it jumps onto the boat, snatches up three people. That thing has to weigh, like, a ton. Right. And then the boat is perfectly fine afterward. The shark jumps on, lands on deck. We see a shot of the shark on the deck of the booze cruise, snacks on a few people, then jumps back off. The boat is perfectly intact. Well, and we just saw it plow through the fucking laboratory, which is, you know, conceivably made of, like, layers of fucking steel and yeah. shit. It just, like, plowed Absurd. through that like it was ca- cardboard. But, well, they like, even mentioned that. paddle boat really gave it a challenge. There's even a line where they're like, you saw that shark just destroyed the whole research station. <laughs> what do you think it's going to do to this boat? Or yeah. something like that. Apparently and nothing. That's actually the, you know, I just said the three-headed shark's not that scary. It, the three heads isn't what makes it scary. The um, unsung ability of it to leap out of the water and like crawl around on land is the competitive that advantage is, of the three headed shark. That is impressive. They should have called it like land shark or yeah. air shark. I thought of land shark of the old like SNL yeah. land shark skit. 
a couple times while I was watching this. But yeah, on this booze cruise, we're introduced to three new completely useless characters. There's a like young couple. There's a girl and her completely idiotic boyfriend who gets saved. The girl's name is Rosemary. Do we even have to talk about characters? Dude, it doesn't matter. They These, don't matter. This movie is about character <laughs> replacement. Like people, some people die. It's a revolving door. It is. A few people die. We bring in a few more people. That's like the high whole, turnover. Yeah, yeah. It, that's what it is. It's like the Burger King of movies. It's like the White House. <laughs> it basically is. It's I kind mean, of bizarre for such a low budget movie too. I mean that there are so many characters. Yeah, they in don't it. I mean, need they that. Had, many. They had to pay these people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, presumably. That was weird. I mean, maybe some of them are just there for the fun of it. I mean, they certainly don't seem qualified to be in a film most mm-hmm. of these actors but mm-hmm. yeah but we get a few new people whatever yeah including the this like dude named stanley yeah. ghost for the mill and, <laughs> yeah. i mean we've been on this boat for a while and it's like all young like college kids partying and we've not seen hide nor hair of anybody really over the age of 20 no two well, with the exception other of the than the captain, captain yeah. yeah the captain yeah there's no you would never expect like a 45 year old professional wrestler to be on this boat <laughs> but he is yeah. and so this girl's boyfriend who's a complete warren gets let thrown overboard or something i don't know stanley like catches oh! him at the last moment oh that was great yeah because she, all right so there's no, a couple marie gets thrown off there's a couple oh i thought the boyfriend got thrown Sorry. there's a couple and they're like trying to like find a place to make out apparently yeah. we're thinking all yeah. right they're gonna there's gonna be some more tna in this movie she like falls overboard when the shark attacks and he's like very impotently like trying to bring her back up and he can't do it and then this like 45 year old professional wrestler called stanley is like hey i got you and he just like lifts her <laughs> up with one arm <laughs> well you see and you see his like meaty forearm first yeah. you just like see like a voice it's like i've got you and then like yanks her up and like she just lands on deck and she's like, oh. And he's never been seen before. Never been seen before. Becomes a main character. Unnamed. And like straggly blonde hair. He was just like such a fascinatingly weird looking guy. Yeah. And uh, I liked him a lot, actually. I would see another movie with him. Uh, the, he's actually a wrestler. His name is oh, Rob is Van Dam. Wow. And uh, he, I don't think he's WWE, but he may have been. He's from Is Bale- he related to Jean-Claude? Uh, he looks like he could be, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, he does. But it's bit. not the same spelling. spelling. It's Van Dam, D A M. Rob Van Dam, and he's forty six years old. And uh, I think he's in a few Asylum films. Oh, and he's he's, uh, he's definitely one hundred percent was in WWE. Wow. So did you say he was from Battle Creek? He's from Battle Creek, Michigan. Hmm. Local wow. boy. Local boy. <laughs> Love him. So and you know he's fun for what it is. You know if you're gonna make a terrible movie, cast you know cast some over the top campy badasses in it instead of just these like millennial guys who rolled out of bed and they can't even act. He was interesting. I'll give him that. Yeah, he was like to me like what's the phrase when you say you're like worlds above other people. He was like significantly a better actor than everyone else (laughs) to me. (laughs) Well, yeah, and you know until that point. You think Danny Trejo is going to be the ultimate badass of the movie? But well, then at this point, I argue that he still is. He, he might be. He's just a selling point for this movie. Yeah, he but, doesn't play nearly as big of a role as I would have liked. Trejo hasn't been in this, even though he was just hailed. He was like, "I'll be right over," you know. Like he hasn't been seen for a half hour, and yeah. then there's just this like, "Hey, I got you. I'm a wrestler. Badass. Love yeah. him." Okay, so basically, yeah, the booze cruise gets destroyed. A couple people survive from that, including the, like, girl, her moron boyfriend, and the WWE dude. They replace some of the Earth Pack people who have died, and they are all now, um, 
heading out on two boats because there's the Earth Pack boat still and then a pontoon that was like related to the booze cruise that half of the team takes because there's too many people mm-hmm. for the Earth Pack boat. So they're trying to get to the Coast Guard, trying to get to land. I don't really know, but they're in two boats trying to get away from the shark. And I, I was really confused as to like how a pontoon can outrun this shark. I mean, we all have some <laughs> experience with pontoon boats. <laughs> True. Yeah, that was strange. Well, it doesn't. is. I guess. Well, yeah, because Trejo finally shows up to save the fucking day. Trejo fucking arrives. He sees the shark. He opens up this compartment on the back of the boat, which lead, led me to question, like, what is, what is this occupation? They have to be drug runners? Are we, like, I don't think it was a fishing boat. They're, but they're quote, unquote, fishermen. fishermen. Yeah, that's right. They're fishing. They don't gonna... have a backstory. But there's a compartment on the boat full of, like, assault weapons. Make up your own reason why. Because this, this movie is just does another not The movie just mystery. needed guns at this point. Like, yeah. that's, that's it. There's no reasoning behind it. Yeah. And so we have a great scene. Oh, you know, and I kind of forgot this earlier detail. The other thing that I loved about Trejo is that he's first seen by the gut. Like, the first image you see of Trejo is just, like, his protruding gut with, like, this fisherman's vest over it and, like, a huge tattoo. And then it, like, pans out to his face. And it's like, it's Danny Trejo's gut? No, it's Danny Trejo. But anyways, they're fucking shooting the shark. The shark, like, jumps onto Trejo's boat. Meanwhile, our quote-unquote protagonists are, like, making their way to the shore while Trejo and his crew distract the shark. The shark is, like, literally, like, sitting. It's just, like, flopping on the front of Trejo's boat in the water. And Trejo is just, like, just shooting it in the face with a fucking, like, AK-47. He runs out of ammo. Or no, it's not an AK-47. He has, like, just a handgun at that point because he runs out of ammo. And he, like, throws the gun and pulls out a fucking machete. Like, this movie is just giving you full-on machete. It's, like, surprise machete cameo, basically. I wouldn't expect any less. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I didn't expect that at all, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the movie. But I was just, thrilled that it happened. It does what it wants. And then Machete Trejo, whatever the fuck he's—I don't think he's ever named in the movie, actually. Um, but he lops no, off. No, he has a name. He's Mike Burns. Mike Burns. Mike Burns. This is Mike Burns. <laughs> Mike Machete Burns. So whatever. But yeah, he lops off the shark's middle head somehow. It's pretty unclear and they how ass- that happens. And they assume that that uh, signifies death. Yeah. And this actually happens. So the shark has destroyed the pontoon boat. Some of the death. people are dead. But there's like three or four people still surviving who make it to land and encounter a dude from the original scene who is like covered in fake blood and non-communicative. He's, He's just got like, like post-traumatic yeah, shark he has disorder. PTSD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Literal PTSD. Oh, that was your joke. Good one. Um, so, whatever. So they're like, uh, Danny Trejo, the shark suddenly leaps onto shore. Da- Danny Trejo comes from behind and lops off the middle head. They think that all is well after that. Yeah. Then Trejo just gets eaten by the shark corpse because its two heads are still kicking and yep. it starts growing like four more heads where the one was cut off. Because it's a hydra. Best mm-hmm. part of the movie. Which was great, actually, because when we were watching that, we were like, I think you were like, it's dead. And I was like, no, it's definitely going to come back. And you were like, dude, what if it's a hydra and it grows extra heads? And I was like, I don't think they would go that far. But then it grows three more heads. Amazing. Best you part of the movie. You should write for Asylum. I, mean. I should. Well, what I was disappointed <laughs> write about. Write for Asylum. <laughs> what I was disappointed about is that the other 
like that this shark didn't end up with nine total heads because I fully think that if you're going to give us the impression or give tell us it's a hydra, you better fucking cut off the other two original heads and have three more heads sprout in those places too. Lame. That would be sweet if it wound up as a nine-headed shark. Lame that it didn't. There's a lot of ways to make this movie more entertaining. Okay, movie. anyway, whatever. Shark has a bunch of heads. They decide that uh, the only way to kill it is to have it eat itself. Yeah, they want to right. take it out to the garbage patch, and it's going to get so excited by all the garbage, it's going to go into a feeding frenzy, and its new heads, and it's, all its heads are not going to be able to tell the difference between the shark and the garbage, and all that, they're just going to eat each other. I'm well, glad you. I, I'm glad you described that with that degree of clarity because I couldn't figure out what the fuck the plan actually was in the movie. Yeah, I, I that was, was pretty plan. clear, and it worked out. Kind I of guess. an awesome plan. It works out in the end. I guess that's what they do. Works and then out. it's like end credits. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They lead oh, it, it out just to the, ends. Yeah. Oh, it ends so abruptly. so abruptly. They lead it out to the garbage patch. No one's supposed to see the end of this movie. This movie is made for people who are watching this on the couch at three a.m. and they're like twelve beers deep and they pass out the forty-five minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point, actually. Who it else really- would watch this movie? Right, wait, but what is the ending? Uh, no, the ending is the two lone survivors from the, all these experiences. The um, who are the boyfriend the, the and the, the and intern, yeah, right. the ex-boyfriend are like girlfriend. Oh, right. sitting on the back of the boat, and they're like, "We did it!" And they're kind of dangling their feet in the water. And all of a sudden, she quickly turns to him and she goes, "Get your feet out of the water!" And they stand up and end credits. Cut to black. <laughs> oh, there's, yeah. a, there's, there's a helicopter like coming in. Yeah, for the rescue. yeah. A CGI like Coast Guard helicopter to pick yeah. them up. Yeah, bizarre, very strange. I was disappointed that we didn't see more of that shark eating itself. Also. Well, well, yeah, because it wasn't clear enough to me. But no, yeah, the water no. just got super bloody, and it was like, "What's happening?" Well, here's something about Asylum. I mean, it's a pretty small company. It's I think they have 30 staffers, and they hire an average of 30 freelancers for Ooh, each movie. Do they need four but, more? <laughs> I would love. I actually look to see if they have any job openings. I would love to work for Asylum, um, but they have a very small like CG department. I mean, it's like nine people, and they're usually working on five or six movies at once, which is why so much footage gets recycled. Haha, in this yeah. movie, and you know why they? I think there are things. That they would have loved to pull off that they just didn't have the time to rent. I don't know because I got the feeling watching this movie that the people who made it were very content to be mediocre. Sure. I mean, I read one story about how they, they literally, like, the day before shooting a particular scene for, I think, Atlantic Rim, the Pacific Rim mockbuster. <laughs> oh, my God. Great title. Apparently, Del Toro approves of it as well. They, they like, what the director had a hot waitress at Hooters and said, you want to be in a movie? We'll pay you, like, 300 bucks. And so <laughs> she's in the movie for, you know, one day of the shoot, a couple of scenes. Wow. Like, most of these people are not professionals. No. So it's a good way to make a living, you know, and so more power to them. Any critique I have of the movie, at the end of the day, they're making their careers doing this stuff, probably having a ton of fun. Good for them. I I completely agree. Doesn't mean I want to watch any of their stuff, but they're making it work. They're finding people who want to buy it. Great work, guys. I hope I th- we don't have to watch any more Asylum films. I, I feel like we should just skip them if we come to them. <laughs> hey, we know what we're going to get. Every horror movie on Netflix. Oh, God damn yeah. it. I think we're about approaching the view it, cue it, screw it portion of things, but I know, Chris, you have at least one shark fact to share. Well, right? I have a shark fact to share because, you know, we see so many movies about killer sharks these days, and I just want to bring to the audience attention that since you've been listening to this podcast... 8,562 sharks have been killed by humans. Dude, I don't even believe you. It's absolutely true. No, that's That's not possible. Explain your math. Yeah, explain. The math is, if you look at the estimates of how many sharks are killed each year... Whose estimate? By humans. Yeah, where are you getting your facts? 
This comes from the journal Marine Policy, who tried to calculate the uh, number of sharks being killed. They use data on shark catches, discards, and mortality rates worldwide. They estimate that approximately 100 million sharks are killed per year by humans. And that's their conservative estimate. It could be as high as 273 million sharks per year. So that adds up to, if you do all the math, uh, 11,417 sharks per hour. So they're dying, and that's why, you know, we got, you know, this is anti-shark propaganda. No one ever cares about the sharks because they're <laughs> almost exclusively portrayed as, you know, monsters in, in movies and, and culture. But, you know, it's a serious issue. On the other hand, sharks only kill about, like, ten and a half or eleven or something people each year. So a real horror film would be a film from the perspective of the sharks. Yeah, a family of sharks, some Finding Nemo where they're getting finned and, and they're, they're getting illegally poached. And we should make that. Yeah. I mean, do you think this movie is really perpetuating the myth that sharks are unstoppable human killing machines? No, but no, but this is the only chance I'm going to have to tell our listeners that until we get to avalanche sharks. So, <laughs> which is not that far. Away. Which is I not did not realize it was a shark movie before the Sharknado franchise. Wow. Yeah, avalanche sharks, at least, and then Deep Blue Sea is on there now. Is it Ooh. is it avalanche space sharks? Yes. Okay. Colon? No. That doesn't make any sense. It no. It looks Colon, like the it, fear strikes again. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so Elizabeth, when it comes to three headed shark attack, would you suggest that people view it, cue it, or screw it? Um, I would say screw it. You don't need to watch this movie. I don't like. I'm not personally offended by this film. I agree with everything Chris said before. You know, they're doing what they're doing, and I think that's great. But you don't need to waste your time watching it. And we did it for you. That's all. Screw it. Steven, would you view it, cue it, or screw it? Uh, screw it, without question. I mean, I had I had fun, but I wouldn't recommend anybody sit through this. Even if you're just going to, like, I don't know, get high and eat pizza with your friends and watch something stupid, there are better bad movies than this. Christopher, would you view it, cue it, or screw it? Well, the problem with this movie is, I, I say screw it 100%. We've been saying, we've been talking a lot about how fun the movie is, but it really comes down to how do you want to spend your time? Because all the moments of entertainment that are in this movie could have fit into 20 minutes, and they're padded with so much just stuff that's just interminable. Like the survivors get, they move from one boat to the next boat, and it's like a six minute scene of them like climbing down the ladder one by one, and nothing's happening, just killing time. This is a movie that has no respect for your time. It's not really trying to be anything more than subpar at any point don't waste your time there's better shark movies out there yeah i mean you know anything that we've gotten excited about in this podcast is because we had to sit through the whole movie so like an exciting moment was super exciting for us because we had to sit through it and it was an hour and a half of time so it won't be the same for you you don't have to do we're like those depraved prison inmates who it's like wow i got like a you know victoria's secret catalog (laughs) this is like the most erotic moment of my life yeah exactly that's us depraved prison inmates guys i've been super conflicted about figuring out how to rate this movie well the time is now i know and well i'm telling you all about it right now i'm breaking it down uh because basically, if you're thinking about watching a movie called fucking Three-Headed Shark Attack in the first place, and if you've looked at the picture that's on Netflix and you've read the description of it, I think you're probably not going to be disappointed. Like, you already know what you're getting in for, and, you know, I, I don't think it promises any more than it delivers. I don't think it's a very good movie, though, and I definitely got bored at some parts. 
I also had a lot of fun with some parts. So I'm going to say, if you want to watch the fucking movie, if you're thinking about watching Three-Headed Shark Attack, go ahead and cue it. You can do you can do worse things with your life. I don't think this is the best. I, I think the title Three-Headed Shark Attack holds a lot more promise than what we got in this movie. I don't. I feel like I got pretty much everything that I could have hoped to see in a movie called Three-Headed Shark Attack. I like. W- what was this movie missing for you, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have a movie that's silly and built around an outrageous concept and is just kind of really out there and sensational, but also just is a quality movie and has good writing. And You're telling me you would expect a movie called Three-Headed Shark Attack to be a quality film? <laughs> I mean, it delivers on its promise of a three-headed shark attacking not only people, but itself, which I never could have imagined. You're right. I'm going to say view it. No, I, I kid. <laughs> I kid, but, um, I, I, kid I see your point. Three-headed shark attack, I kid. I see your point. I mean, there, there may yet be a movie that does proper justice to the concept of a three-headed shark attack, and if there is, hopefully it'll wind up on Netflix and we'll review it. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to be watching a dark song for next episode, so stay tuned for that next week. Uh, until then, I'm Patrick. I'm Elizabeth. I'm Stephen. I'm Chris. And this is Every Horror Movie on Netflix. Ta-ta! Ta-ta!